Hi, Gabrielle. Okay, I'm leaving everything on the porch right now, okay? Uh, 9 to 6, right? Okay, you want me to put everything on the chair for you? No problem. Do you want me to wait out here till you can come? Okay, I'll wait for your daughter and then I'll go, okay? Okay. My pleasure, no problem. Um, and you have my number. Yeah, I got everything. Well, I wasn't able to get any Clorox wipes, but I brought you some disinfectant. Mm, not not wipes. There were no wipes, um, but I brought you a disinfectant spray. Yeah, of course. How often? You can you can call anytime, whatever whenever you need. Um, but, you know, the turnaround might take a little bit of time depending on, you know, it might take a couple days sometimes for me to come back out, if that's alright. But just, you know, shoot me a text or give me a call. And, and so this particular delivery is through Crown Heights Mutual Aid and we have um, a donor pool, but we also... Hi, are you Gabrielle's daughter? Yeah. Okay. I'm talking to you. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, you call me back, whatever. So someone is in need, they email or call. We have an intake volunteer take down what groceries they want. They put it in the air table. They put it in the Slack. It gets posted in a channel called Community Needs. And ideally, the volunteer picks it up. They buy the groceries. They deliver the groceries in a in a safe way, we have like uh, a sheet that tells people, you know, how to properly disinfect your groceries. And then they post the receipt in a community reimbursement channel and people Venmo them so that they are not covering the cost of groceries. I'm not sure if this is the case with other mutual aid groups, but Crown Heights Mutual Aid is definitely like, there are two parts of it. One being Facebook, which was kind of theorized as this long-term partnership with existing community orgs, just things that don't have to be handled immediately. And then Slack was all of the rapid response groceries um, and things like that. Now, as with any organizing group, the amount of people who are regularly active is going to be a much smaller percentage of your total membership. And so while we have about 1,200 people that are technically members, they have login credentials on the Slack. I would say our population of active members varies anywhere from 250 to 400 people per day. And of those active members, then a smaller subset of that group is the main group of folks who are involved in doing either intake calls, fielding requests, or actual delivery runs. And then also kind of the third thing that's part of the Slack, which is opening up your wallet and donating to cover the cost of, of these grocery runs. Um, yes, yeah, so usually like the evening before I try and like map out a route and see like maybe what, what are some fringe deliveries that need to be done and kind of map a loop around um, Crown Heights. Um, yeah, and I'll call, I'll call the first person, maybe the first two and be like, I'll be there in an hour or so, hour, two hours. Um, and then I just head out. I bike there. I usually park by their house and then walk to the nearest 
grocery store just because my bike is a little bit older and I don't have any any rack or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so it could be like a bit time consuming, but I have a lot of time, <laughs> like like a lot of us do. Um, so I, I don't mind it at all. I put everything down on the porch first, and I like step away and uh -huh. I ring the doorbell and I call. So they feel comfortable. Um, and sometimes I try and like. I don't know, some, like with elderly folks, especially I'll be like, you know, try and wash everything if you can, just because you never know. Um, but like one thing that was like really stressing me out for a while was like this nagging anxiety that I was spreading <laughs> the virus. You know, like obviously I try and be as careful as possible, like I put my gloves in a separate bag and like... When I do that, I use, I sanitize my hands before I put them on and like I wash my stuff. But it's like this terrible fear. Like I used to have nightmares about it. A lot of people, myself included, feel like it would just be a waste if we gathered up so much like manpower and energy and time or whatever. And like we didn't do anything to try to make sure that the systems that leave people vulnerable like aren't altered in some way. Within the context of Crown Heights Mutual Aid, there's a constant ongoing discussion about how do we reckon with the fact that there is a disproportionate amount of gentrifiers and yes, even white digitally native gentrifiers in the group. And the group of folks who are making the requests that are often receiving the aid are predominantly not that group. That's something that has happened not just as a consequence of what tech was used or not just as a consequence of who was involved in the first few days of the organizing, but I think it's a consequence of where is surplus time, energy, and money allotted and kind of siloed in this neighborhood. Wealth redistribution is great, but there's also a long-standing central tenet of mutual aid that is, it isn't a class of donors and beneficiaries, it is one group of everyone helping each other Everyone has something to give. Everyone has something that they need. There are thousands more people in Crown Heights who are able to give and I think would be willing to give if we could just find them and get a hold of them. Really focusing on a block to block, building by building, neighborhood style network of aid and care and trust and support is where I think the real potential in this organization lies long term. We still have this huge spreadsheet of all of the community orgs that we know of. The first was like service providers, which were senior centers, homeless shelters, like food banks, all that stuff. Then we have community orgs like the Crown Heights Tenants Union and Jewish community councils. We have medical facilities, religious groups, like restaurants, everything. Especially for the service providers, we would like assign people to call each and every one of them and to ask like, hey, what do you need? Um, but this was kind of a problem because then we had like called up 50 food banks and we're like, weren't really sure if we could actually match that need because a lot of our resources were being funneled towards doing rapid response work. Also like a lot of people are not specific with their lists. I used to be stressed about it. Like I would call every single person and go through the list then like became kind of possible to do 
that with like, you know, a bunch of different people every day and sometimes people don't have the time, you know, to commit over the phone. So now I just like, I'm guessing sometimes, you know, like try and get people things that I would like. It's like right now, like the list just says cheese. And I'm not sure what that means, you know, like do you want cheddar cheese? Do you like white cheese? Do you like mozzarella, Swiss, or cheddar? Mild, sharp, like I try and think, okay, if it's a family affair, that probably means they have kids. Or, you know, it'd be better to just get something that's like, maybe more palatable for everyone, right? So like, I like extra sharp cheddar cheese, but maybe like a kid wouldn't like that, you know? So it's like, a bunch of these little negotiations I have with myself. Yeah, usually I try and let them know when I deliver. I'll be like, oh, I wasn't able to find this. It's less of an issue now, honestly. Like, the grocery stores have, like, kind of reached this stasis, you know? But before, like, everything was gone. It was like, you know, and depending on the, you know, the, the neighborhood, sometimes it was, like, really slim pickings, you know? And, like, obviously folks asked a lot for, like, Lysol and, like, cleaning supplies and toilet paper and, and like, that stuff. For a while, I just, like, it was nowhere. It was nowhere. Only in the bodegas. You know, initially, like, the stress of the outbreak, I think, was more, like, in your face. It was, like, a lot of tension in grocery stores, you know, for, like, a number of reasons. Where, like, folks are worried about getting sick or worried about paying or worried about the space that they're in. Like, people would fight over, like, cutting. People would fight over, like, receipts, claiming that, like, things were not adding up, like, would fight about people being in their space like it was just like yeah, like all these things are really understandable a lot of like our efforts are based in black and brown communities right because those are like underserved communities right yeah. so like it makes sense that all of these things are like a culmination of decades of neglect yeah. for, for different communities they're being impacted in ways we've done anything from just bringing masks and gloves to people that need them uh, we showed up in a big way for the Ground Heights Tenant Union today. I think that it's not something that people might be thinking of as mutual aid when they think about it in the context of the coronavirus. There have been a lot of stories and a lot of coverage about plucky neighborhood groups popping up to bring people groceries and, oh, look at this, they have a cool tech system that allows them to do it. It was a really great thing that our members did helping to make banners and then show up in person outside of buildings that had tenants brave enough to unfurl banners saying, you know, things like cancel rent and rent strike. So that kind of work, I think, is vital to the greater cause of, of mutual aid. Especially because not everyone in Crown Heights Mutual Aid is involved in like rapid response delivery. Like not everyone has the, the able body to do so. Um, it's great to have different projects and like people thinking on both a short-term and a long-term scale. We have like a tenants' rights channel that's like organizing rent strikes. I think we have a channel about like politics and sort of like legislative related actions. Obviously we have partnerships that work on food justice. I think there's been some discussion about like police brutality and like, you know, the disproportionate policing of black and brown communities. can feel like someone's trying to suss you out and suss out your intentions, which is totally valid, and, and, and I'm, like, I'm glad that that happened. Um, I don't know, like, I think from the information we get, 
we have like a general idea of where people might be at sometimes. Um, and like some folks are really comfortable with sharing where they're at. Like someone I'm going to today, you know, she's been texting me and she's like, you know, I'm a single mother, I have two kids. Um, and so like I'm, I'm gonna need like frequent support. And so like sometimes people are like really honest about that and I think, I don't know, obviously depends on the person, but like maybe the situation urges people to, to be that way. Like maybe folks feel like they have to be a little bit more honest. Um, not like anyone has never, you know, not been honest, but maybe like just stating their needs as plainly as possible so there's no misunderstanding. Yeah. And I think people feel like, you know, if not now, when are they going to be able to say those things? Um, so yeah, there are moments when there's a little bit of tension and people, not tension in a bad way, but just like that kind of vulnerable error. People like share with me what's what's going on with them. Like, you know, I visit folks sometimes and they're like, yeah, like my husband's in the hospital. Like he has Corona, like, you know, I, I'm unemployed. The most upsetting thing overall is just the sheer volume of need. Even on our best delivery day, when we have the most deliveries that we have ever had, we probably are still falling 250 calls behind on that day. The only thing that we really have in terms of power is the fact that Crown Heights Mutual Aid has become a meeting place for a few hundred people who give a damn. That's really, we don't have a whole bunch of money. We don't have the greatest you know, batch of resumes. We don't have great real estate. We don't have any sort of political influence. You know, we just have a large amount of people in a concentrated area who give a fuck about what's going on. We are about to hit our 1,000 groceries delivered point. We'll either hit it today or I think tomorrow morning. And if Crown Heights Mutual Aid all of a sudden fell apart and everyone quit and everyone just went back to staying at home watching Netflix tomorrow, I think it would still be something you could qualify as a success. A lot of people came together, gave whatever sort of surplus they had to help people who had a need. And it was a thing that happened and it never really had to happen. People just decided and have decided to step up and keep stepping up. I think a lot of this like mutual aid stuff has just like been having faith that other people will also pick up the slack if you were burned out or if, if you were like overwhelmed by the magnitude of the thing. It's been like a crazy exercise in just kind of like building a government from the ground up. There's a lot of talk about process, like horizontal structures, like transparency. As a person, like I always wanted to be friends with my neighbors on like a very basic interpersonal level. And it's like very cool to just like be able to talk to people in my neighborhood and feel like people actually care. You know, having these like recurring deliveries, it feels more like, you know, like some somewhat of a relationship. Like they can trust me. They know that it's not like some one-off thing, you know, they're not going to be like forgotten or left, you know, out on their own, like to fend for themselves if they don't have the capacity to do that. Um, yeah. We need, oh, awesome. We need crackers. Cream of wheat. We definitely have.